Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 730 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, August 23rd, and it's time for another Fireside Chat. I'm Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? What is happening? It has been too long. I missed the fire. I've missed it. It's been a while. We're bringing the heat. Uh, we're keeping the theme here a little bit, talking a little 2020. Mm. If you listen to yesterday's episode 729, you heard us do a three-round draft with uh, Justin Mason, myself, and Vlad Settler. And uh, that was a lot of fun, a lot of surprises, definitely some guys that I'm like, maybe we should have had him drafted. I watched uh, Glaber Torres hit two homers last night. I'm like, how did he not go in the top 45? But we're not here to talk about hitters. This is the pitching fireside. You know yeah, what we do with Nick Pollock <laughs> from Pitcher List. So we're going to be talking pitching and the 2020 landscape. Uh, Pitcher List also did a two-round mock back on August 1st, and obviously that included some pitchers. Uh, I also want to loop in my 2020 top 30 list, my initial oh, list, man, and get one. Nick's reactions to it. So we're going to put all of that kind of together and basically freeform a bit on the 2020 landscape, starting with my list and some of the questions slash debates thoughts that nick has on it and it'll probably lead us into a few jump off points about particular guys so let's just kind of get your first blush thoughts here and and also i'll ask you when do you make your first 2020 list so i'm debating that uh my initial thought is to do it the day after the regular season ends um at the same time i know if there's a game 163 i won't get to that i'll also be doing some stuff on that sunday so it might it's just essentially within that week hopefully that monday could be that tuesday um but we'll see all right, so I'll be looking forward to that. And honestly, I, the first thing I'll do is compare it to mine just to see what what's changed in the, in the time frame here mm-hmm. because this came out on August 15th. Obviously, we have differences in general, but I think there'll be some stark shifts that the market forces more than anything about what I would what I would think or what you would think. So I'm going to rerun. I'll probably do something around that same time, the, the next iteration, and then take off until November as far as making any lists. But, uh, yeah, let's dive into it. Let's get some of your thoughts here on my top 30 for 2020. There's actually 52 names because of the honorable mentions. I had to get a bunch of folks in there. But um, we can start wherever you want. Go ahead. I mean, okay. So let's just talk about – I am going to talk about the honorable mentions because there were a couple that I was really surprised that aren't higher on your list. Uh, I mean, I understand it's been a complete lost season, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be surprised if Luis Severino is outside the top 20 starters uh, in in drafts in March uh, for 2020. It's just, we know who he is when healthy. Um, and even looking at the back end of those 20s for you, it's Jack Flaherty, Chris Paddock, and Zach Greinke. I have a lot of problems with each of those three, four next year. Uh, and I have to think that the investment of Severino, I know the bad taste. Look, I drafted Severino. I have a lot of problems with the guy who hasn't with pitched CF, an inning this GGF, year. Yeah, I understand. But it's still, I think we understand what the skill set of Luis Severino is. And, I mean, obviously we'll know more come March and drafting now. We don't know. That's kind of the beauty, though. We'll see the the um, pro- progression of Luis Severino's draft stock starting. We're going to be out in Arizona for the Arizona Fall League. That's in mid-October now. There's going to be drafts. I don't know if you plan on participating, but I'm definitely going to be in in, in the draft out there. From that po- point, which is kind of the first quote-unquote official draft, uh, at least that I know of, all the way to draft season. Because I do agree that once 
we see Luis Severino out in spring training and we start to get into March and deeper into March, I could see his draft stock rising substantially from there. Right now, I'll admit to basically just parking him as an honorable mention because he's missing an entire season, essentially, and I don't really know what to do with him. Yeah, that's fair. I do see him. I would almost – I wouldn't necessarily put the green arrow next to him yet, but I've got one holstered ready to slap it on Luis Severino. So I agree with you to a degree. This was just a parking because we're talking about a guy in Severino who's going to miss essentially the entire year. And, yeah, you're talking to someone who puts injured guys in the fringe table and doesn't even yeah. rank them anymore. So I completely understand where you're coming from with that. I figure it just should just be addressed that – if I had to say what I'm doing in March, I'm betting that I'm going to have Severino, at the very least, inside the top 25, if not the top 20. Um, you could kind of make the argument, too, for Carlos Carrasco. Of course, we're all very concerned yes. uh, just about his health in general. So hopefully it's, he is in a condition where we kind of forget about that. Just like kind of redid with way. Tyone. Yeah, uh, right. Carrasco was 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 throwing BBs right off the rip. Uh, he's gonna re- he's gonna relieve when he gets back, so that's good. That's all good news. Another one that was basically just parked. Uh, Tower Glass. Now, do you feel similarly, or does he not have the track record that a Carrasco and Severino have to get that sort of love? No, you're exactly right. I do I do not see that uh, track record. I mean, it was really nice at times. I remember actually, even when we first saw him excel against the Chicago White Sox, I still had some hesitation. Um, he nearly is just two pitches still mm-hmm. really good fastball command all of a sudden with that curveball down and it did surprise me that he was so consistent with that command out of nowhere uh, normally we see that show up and then disappear and then we have the undulation um, we can get uh, starry eyed based on five starts of having that command and we kind of forget that no normally this doesn't just stick around forever they're not just all of a sudden Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. Yeah, we, we never got to see if it would regress for right. Glass now because he got hurt. He's now had a setback. For all intents and purposes, his season's over. Oh, so, yeah. So um, yes. it is interesting because he ranks higher in the honorable mentions, yet based off of the conversation that we're having, I could see Carrasco and Severino leapfrogging him while Glass now is more likely to keep his spot right there. Definitely, yeah. And just kind of hang out. But as, as we get better news on Carrasco and Severino, they will ascend. Uh, I love Carrasco, and I agree with you on the Severino piece. So, all right, so let's shift it to the front end now, As I, then we'll go down. Because, I mean, the rest of the honorable mentions, I don't really think there's anything stark to me that, that is shocking that you omitted. Okay. Uh, I do like that you added McKay at the end, by the way. Uh, I got so many angry tweets uh, about the uh, – I had him in the starting pitching rankings. I had him at second against the Orioles. Not to mention it was terrible starters that day, but the fact that he just looked bad and all of a sudden was – Done just had a that. bad start. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, I I really do love the skill set of McKay. I think he's going to be a really good value next year. So to see you have as, a, as an honorable mention is great. It's going to be that kind of guy that you and I really get in on um, because he's so cheap and the skills are so impressive. It's going to be that great flyer in in the middle of people's uh, rotations. All right, back to the top yeah. here. Yeah, so uh, back to the top. Uh, the thing that does surprise me a bit is that you have it as Bieber seven, Strasburg eight. And then Snell, Kershaw, Clevenger. Uh, I would probably put both of those guys underneath all three of those. So I would have Snell, Kershaw, and Clevenger all above Bieber and Strasburg, personally. Um, I think Strasburg is a pitcher that's... I mean, this is... yeah, As you mentioned inside the board, but he might be pitching 200 innings this season. He's 165. I I still don't... Even if he does that, I'm still going to have hesitations that he does it again. And that's fair. Is, yeah, it's only going to be the second time. And the right. last time was in 2014 for Strasburg. And not to mention, I understand that ERA is a different animal than it used to be. Mm-hmm. A 3.65 ERA 
uh, is not the same as the 374 was last year or the 360 was in 2016, but that's still three seasons of 360. And if I'm going top 10 with a starter, I want someone that I have a little more faith in that can really have that overpowering top five season upside. What, what it's is a little it? Less unconvincing, it's a little, little less convincing for me that Strasburg can do that. What is it about Strasburg, though, that that doesn't allow him to get to where his core skills are? Isn't because crazy? in 16, you know, it's a it's a 292 FIP against the 360 ERA in 2016 for Strasburg. It's a 362 against a 374 last year, so that kind of fits. But then this year, it's a 330 against the 365, and so it's like he should be a low to mid threes with with sub three. You yeah, know, upside without a doubt, and yet here we are. He's a 320 career with a 296 FIP for Strasburg. Right. What is there anything that you see that prevents him from getting there, or is it uh, maybe something different each year? No, it's actually it's the same thing. If you look at all the top five guys here, I mean, even actually, you can even say top six that you have. It's Verlander, Scherzer, Degrom, Cole, Bueller, Sale. All six of those have in common is that they are have been for a lengthy amount of time, overpowering with their fastball. Mm-hmm. And so much so that the fact that we call them elite fastballs. Strasburg has had good seasons with his four-seamer, but it has never we've never really considered Strasburg an elite four-seamer guy, say for maybe like 2010-11 when he first came up. Yeah, just, and that was the right? velo that was driving. Right. That was 100 miles per hour, so 98 in that first season. I mean, this year's 94. I don't ever think that Strasburg will ever be that pitcher again where he's owning a start based on his heater. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could say the same maybe about Shane Bieber. You could maybe make the argument about Clevenger, though his velocity has gone up, and we've seen him really dominate at times with that pitch. Uh, Kershaw, not necessarily as much. I get that. But his command of it, I would argue, much was, better than Strasburg. I was going to say, yeah. Right. He, he, Kershaw can own a start with the fastball by by spotting it literally anywhere he wants and just freezing guys generating terrible contact, swings and misses, all sorts of stuff there Definitely. with Kirsch. So it's it's a rarity for me to really love a guy that doesn't have that elite fastball. Really only only the exception, I guess, of the past couple years of us ranking some of the top 10 that does not have that elite fastball is Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm. Really, I, I mean, you, I, I couldn't imagine Carrasco a little bit, but it's really just Kluber. Uh, so for me to, to believe that Strasburg is going to be that guy, I just, I can't. It's just not the, the place for me to put my bets. Okay, uh, all fair. Um, you know, one of the things I mentioned in the in the little write up there was that he's literally never been bad, though. I do yeah. like that aspect of Strasburg is that he he carries this weight of a fantasy ace. Um, he has not really met the challenge of it uh, mm-hmm. regularly. He has in, in in certain years, and I think this year he'll actually end up basically meeting it barring a, a disaster because as you mentioned a 365 ERA actually plays pretty well. He uh, Strasburg is seventh on the Rasball player rater for pitchers right now. So wow. he's been he's been great. I, I I take those I take those differences and, and critiques in in stride there. I tell you, I'd love to see Snell back on the bump to end the year. And um I'm like this close to really just bumping Kershaw back to like six. Right, isn't it? I just I, mean, I, I love I just Kershaw. been watching him. I do, yeah, I me too. It. And I, I've been watching uh, some of his stuff, reviewing some starts, and then watching you know the current ones every fifth day, more. And I'm just like, yeah, maybe he even even going into age 32, and you know, we understand that he's still not peak Kershaw, but this this non-peak version is still amazing. So, of the three that you mentioned. I think already in my mind from August 15th to now, I've moved him up, I've moved Kershaw up. But uh, I hear you on the Snell Clevenger versus 
Bieber, Strasburg. That's an interesting quartet, though, for sure. Yeah, I, I, mean, I understand also Bieber over Clevenger. Bieber's been going on this ridiculous run. Uh, I, I just think that Clevenger stuff overall is just a little bit more overpowering. And, I agree with that. I agree and, that and the Clevenger's, stuff. And Clevenger's Bieber, sorry, Clevenger's fastball is better than Bieber's. Very similar breaking stuff. Uh, it's it just to me, I can fathom Clevenger not or resisting the uh, the the bad parts of the season easier than Bieber. So Bieber uh, has the com- control on lock. When the command's on, though, watch out. Right, and, exactly. and the command improvements that we've seen this year have been sharp. Although a little bit of a home run issue of late, it's not killing Bieber because they're pretty much all solo shots. Right, but he has allowed eight homers in his last five starts. So just he also allowed a two run shot that was not earned. So that's right, that's right. In, uh, uh, in yesterday's game against yep. the Mets. So, so okay, so that's so moving, that's uh, that's about yeah, the top ten that, in there. Moving past that, uh, so I, I'm actually a little surprised that you're at twelve with Syndergaard. Higher or lower? Oh, I imagine he should be lower. Yeah, I figured. No, I <laughs> I can't quit him, dude. I just can't. I can't. I watched him again last night. What was it? Five perfect before. Uh, I, I don't before think. I hit. can. I cannot remember the last start I've seen from Syndergaard where I felt that he truly commanded all of his pitches. I really you didn't just feel can't. that yesterday. No, even yesterday's start. It was that was an interesting one. That was that was the most fascinating one I think I've seen all year because he threw fastballs up. Like with yeah. with intention, That's but then the secondary so stuff, fast. the sliders and changeups weren't really down. Like sliders for him are always landing thigh high. Yeah, and uh, it drives me nuts. I see Griffin Canning even do better sliders with uh, starting on the outside corner and going away just with ease. Rip, rip Canning. I know, by the oh, way. man. Oh, that hurt me so much. That's twice he hit the IL after having a great start. I know, so frustrating. Uh, but yeah, you know, sorry. I, I debated on where to put Thor. I just get stuck of of still dreaming on him. He's going to be 27 next to. year. Right. But, you know, this is is he like the next Strasburg where he's like underwhelmed yet still mm-hmm. always been good? Right. He's never right. been bad. He has the 130 inning season which was a dud for fantasy purposes, but even the 150, 184, 154, 160 innings of the other 4 years of of his career for Thor have all been too good to say that he's like a bust in any any real well, tangible way. I will say this. Uh, 2018-2019, last two seasons, so we've had 25 starts each year. 24% K rate in both. Uh, and Which a 118-121 whip. That's just not enough. That swinging strike rate merits more. And, right. and we know there's pitchers out there who would who would generate more with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, again, I, putting him 12 definitely bets still on on the come on some development from Thor and perhaps it's time to stop expecting that and maybe put him closer to 20 but well okay so so I understand having a hard time with that because it starts to get a little bit gray I would have Corbin I would have Castillo up definitely I think I'm gonna have Castillo above Strasburg um just because I think his skill set is here to stick around Mm -hmm. uh if anything he could get slightly better uh, just with that fastball, but it's I don't necessarily believe that he's a two sixty four as you as you're mentioning here, uh, one hundred six uh, whip. That's kind of like your uh, since that's since two thousand eighteen. Is that right? In yeah, since the second innings? half, yeah. second half of last year. I, I got year. it now. Um, oh yeah, right. By the way, I love the blur for Syndergaard. That's just great. Can you just get to Houston already? It, Beautiful. Yeah, love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, right. Kesty, I don't think that's a, he's a two sixty four year a guy. 
but I also think he's more than a 28% strikeout guy. Uh, so it's, I think it would be like a three year reg and 110 whip, but 30 to 32% strikeout. I think that's just kind of who Castillo is. Um, I mean, it's the best change about there. It's just so good. And he demolishes guys anyway with the other two pitches too. So, so good. It's unreal. It's so dumb how good the, the changeup is. I love uh, Castillo. So yeah, bumping him up a few spots would not, uh, would not be difficult for me. I got him at 14. I like him there, but, uh, I could see drafting him higher too. One of right. those things where I have him 14, but then push comes to shove and I'm like, I'll take him as the 11th pitcher off the board. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, by the way, this is, this is really fun because I haven't made these. <laughs> this yeah, is like so, my first time really, truly considering it. Uh, and it's funny cause it's kind of revealing for me how I do rank these. Um, so, so I see like Aaron Nola at 15. I'm like, yeah, actually that sounds right. I would have him below these guys. He did take the step forward. I don't know. Actually, I might even have him closer to 20. What do you to, think of his return yeah. though? I mean, he's well, been, it, always yes. been so good. So, so well, okay. So the way I see it is, uh, he finally got his fastball command back. Finally mm-hmm. that hit around June or so. Yes. Um, and then, uh, but what we've seen since then has been great, but it's also, I do expect him to have, it's, it's going to be bits and pieces. That's not, I don't really think we're going to have another 2018 season. I mean, anything close to that, obviously, it wouldn't be near 20. Yeah, 237 but, ERA, right. .98 whipped. I mean, that's a career year until, when someone puts that year up, that's their career year until they prove otherwise. Right. Like, it's just, it's too good of a year to ever project or expect it. Yep. So, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, inside the top 15 Every one of those, for the most part, I do have some sort of expectation that they can reach a ceiling of being a top five. Okay. Like, I can see that. I can see Corbin going on a ridiculous run and doing this. Luis Castillo, we were just talking about that. Clevenger and Bieber, etc. Nola, I think, is going to always kind of be on the back seat of it. Uh, I think he's always going to have some obstacles during the year because he does really rely so heavily on that fastball command. And now that we've seen him go back and forth with it, um, I, it just doesn't make sense to me that he can really take that leap again and return to 2018. Not to mention he does have some sort of injury history, but yeah, yeah. everyone kind of does. So that's not really the fair anymore. That's uh, that's true. Yeah, if you're a pitcher, you basically have injury history. But I'm looking at the rest of these. I mean, Charlie Morin, I don't know if I can really... I, I don't... How is he still pitching? I'm telling you, <laughs> age will suppress that price too. Right. Uh, I mean... I feel terrible bringing any juju of Morin getting hurt in the next month, but it is really shocking to me to see him pitching as well as he is right now. He went in the third round of the of the mock. Wow! Wow! That's he went ahead teamers, of Snell and Kershaw. fifteen teamers. That's four top forty five picks, right? Yeah, yeah, and he was picked thirty four by Vlad. So okay, so was it just an ultra amount of starters going? Uh, it was a starter run, but Snell and Kershaw went right after him. And so you sale, might, if you want to segue into this, available. what segue into what this was? Uh, so sh- it was Cole Scherzer, Verlander, first round, mm-hmm. um, followed by let's see, Degrom at twenty four. I got him at twenty two in my mock. Hey, hey, I'm amazed there actually that gap between Degrom yes, and the rest. It, it took a while. We, we actually openly wondered on the uh, during the draft, like, oh, when's the next starter going to come? And then Vlad took him shortly thereafter. Right. Then there wasn't another one in the second round, but then the third round went wild. Right. So then, uh, so then it was Bieber at five. Is that? He am went, I seeing that right? Yeah. Yeah. Clevenger six, Strasburg seven, more than eight. How can you take more than above like Snell and Kershaw and uh, Sale? Even I, I, I don't, I don't buy that. I'm sorry, Vlad. Sale won't. 
go there though at 41 um obviously this is an early thing it it is in uh, influenced by the injury he'll move up and you know sales one of those guys who might be a discount in some of these early drafts but by the time we get to spring as long as he's chris sale he's gonna be a top right right or pitcher no, did you exactly. see giolito when at pick 40 it yeah it was just about to in there <laughs> <laughs> just just noticed that myself. That was someone I wanted to discuss really quickly too um, on yours. You have That's, him down at twenty four. Yeah. So why? Okay. So why do you have him outside of the top twenty? I'm not saying how I feel yet. Honestly, I mean the, like I said in the in the right right up there, everything's backed up. But will it hold? I mean, this is such a stark turn from what he was in eighteen, mm-hmm. and he'd never been good in the majors yet. So yes, he's made good. But is it just automatically here to stay? And I, there's tangible changes that I like, namely that changeup. Uh, the fastball has been awesome. I'm really here for Giolito's thing. But I feel like there's some of these other guys that I'm just going to trust a little bit more. Even somebody like a Soroka who doesn't, who's right ahead of him, who doesn't strike out guys at the same rate. Barrios, Kluber. Man, I, I, I'm Kluber's one of the hot potato guys. I don't want to be left holding the bag. I, I probably won't be drafting him ever again unless the price that's, is like that's fascinating yeah, you have him at 22 good. i mean i would I have him i would have him above nola i don't know we'll see how he finishes maybe i'll be influenced by that so yeah i don't know i just i guess i'm being some somewhat cautious with giolito so i don't over overreact to the uh to the to the breakout season that's fair like it, it can go back the other way like it, we've seen countless guys have that happen so i thought 24 was like a fair way of saying hey i dig him i'm in but if it gets too wild, I'm going to peel back. That said, by the way, he does have 15 innings with two run, two earned runs and 23 strikeouts since I posted that. So then <laughs> a little bit extra shine sure. that uh, that I didn't get the benefit of, of seeing there. Maybe he'd have had a few extra uh, – a little boost up there. I know right. it's two stars, but I'm just being real. You know, I was going through like composite stats for a, multi- uh, a set period of time this year stats all that so maybe giolito would have been 21 22 instead but i'm i'm comfortable with 24 still nice okay i so i actually had a roundup um after his last start i wanted to call it the lido engine that could and then i realized i did that already in september of 2017 <laughs> that's funny how often do you have to do that to go back to check? I, I i get so upset no it tells me in the in the headline if it's like number two i'm like well i've already done that that's i so I went with the little prince instead, but I, but the, the, what I wanted to go after was, I mean, it's funny. So the Vlad pick at 40, is kind of what I expected. I expect mm-hmm. a lot of people to be on board with Giolito. Uh, and you went the pendulum the other way, which is closer to me, I think, of being out on Giolito, um, only because I think the price will be super high. I will say that when I see a pitcher completely change their mechanics like Giolito did I'm generally more inclined to buy into it because he did change his arm circle he's a super long guy and he had that super long arm circle and that's why he had poor fastball command because it's just so hard to get that timing right when you have a much longer arm circle with his lanky arms or when he cuts it back what's what he did he pulled his elbow straight back and now all of a sudden it's a shorter arm circle more consistency getting to the right spot and putting the ball where he wants and he's done an incredible job with that fastball up in the zone often it's been an elite pitch uh, over the last 20 starts, 19 plus P-Val with it. That's great. I don't buy his secondary stuff. Uh, his changeup, I think, is only so effective. Essentially, it's it's nice. It's had a good P-Val because he's actually had just had to turn to it a lot because the slider isn't good or it's been inconsistent. 
curveball is just not there yet. And that's actually no. the pitch that I we mean, talked about for ages, and it's just I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, he, he's been, I mean, he's been a, essentially a two-pitch guy. The slider is not right. nothing for Giolito, but it's fastball not the pitch we want is, it to be. Yeah, and, fastball changeup is how he's winning. And until I really see that slider becoming something, I'm not going to put enough faith in that changeup being enough of a second pitch. So that's really the problem I have overall with Giolito. And if I'm going to ever take him as a number two star, two starter or even as a minor one, it needs to be with that slider included. That being said, uh, once you really get to, I mean, I would argue it's Morden, but once you get to Bauer of your list, that's at 17, it gets really dicey. Uh, it gets. I should have. Uh, I should have grouped them. By the way, because mm-hmm. I agree, and you know how I feel about tears and oh yeah, and the glob <laughs> and all that. Because yeah, if you're going to tell me that you'd have him as high as as Bauer at 17 for Giolito, um, I can't really gripe that and suggest that there's so much difference between Bauer, Flaherty, Paddock, Grinky, Barrios, Kluber, Soroka, Giolito. Like that is a tight sure. group there. So I, I'm I'm debating where I am on Nola and Giolito at this point because I could I could imagine Giolito helping out that slider and really taking that leap that's actually that's a possibility to me yeah so i have to give him some weight for that uh power is yeah inconsistency remains remarkably frustrating yep but at the same time uh, it's like bauer is clearly has showed that top five ability isn't he Um, your he might be your thor i guess i mean yeah but it's more convincing yeah oh sure let's let's go with that that sounds fine to me (laughs) Right. I really cool. do love Bauer in so many ways, and just oh, he's so close. Uh, I know. I, and I agree. And like I, I, he was one I had a t- tough time ranking as well. I put him at seventeen here, and I'm you know, again, there's distinct cutoffs for me, and uh, he is part of a, a, excuse me, a larger group there with Bauer. Mm-hmm. I'm eager to see what he does a full year in the NL. Just those extra strikeouts are going to pile up. Right. I mean, he raised a 215 strikeouts this year. That's what I'm saying. And, like, so a full year of just those extra two times against a starter. Uh, I mean, could he have a 35% strikeout rate next year? Oh, yeah. Which, I, I, wouldn't I, wait, I wouldn't be surprised right? at all. I mean, exactly. also, not Zero to mention eyes. that the 28% isn't necessarily so fair because he does have a really high IPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's innings per start, 180 innings already in 28 oh. starts. They've been running so, him into the ground. So he's had a lot more base, uh, sorry, batters faced. Yes, but strikeouts per start uh, is super high. I mean, two hundred fifteen, twenty-eight. Quick maths was at eight, nine per start. <laughs> I can't. Uh, it's something it's fantastic. great. So, uh, so that, that's something to consider with it. It's about volume as well, um, not just the strikeout rate or the the K per nine. How many exactly. nine is it? So, uh, so that's something that gives him a little bit more love. Uh, for me, but that aside, um, the interesting stuff I think is Flaherty, Paddock, Granky, Barrios, and I mean I would throw in Soroka there too. I think Soroka's strikeout rate is just never going to really be there. I love his stuff, but he's essentially Kyle Hendricks 2.0, exactly with a slight higher upside. And I, that's I kind of see it that way. And honestly, I I I almost ranked uh, Kyle Hendricks in the top 30. You see him, sure. he's right there yeah. at 33. I mean, he's just so good. And I agree, Soroka is a better. Is a, is a higher uh, upside iteration of him. He's not a better version yet because he's not there. So why did you rank uh, Hendricks higher? Well, Soroka's 22. and You can expect development. Also, Hendricks may be falling off a little correct. bit. All that stuff, yeah. And I, we can't fully rule out the, the idea that something clicks differently with Soroka. Maybe he taps Definitely, into a little yeah. bit more strikeout upside 
maybe somebody teaches him a curve or alters yeah. his slider, et cetera, et cetera. So I love him there. Um, what about Flaherty? We talked about Flaherty earlier sure. in the year. Your comp for him uh, was one that stuck with me ever since you told it to me. You, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, of course. It's Lance McCullough's Jr. Bingo. He's in he's in the throes of his of his excellent streak right now. And he was wobbly all year to that point. Through 17 starts, Jack Flaherty had a 490 ERA. The volatility, the frustration, the McCullersing of his right. season was was so clear there. I mean, it was there was so much of that McCullers comp throughout this year when it would be uh, six innings, one run against the freaking Dodgers. Then he goes to Milwaukee, gets blitzed for five and two and two thirds. And it was always that sort of like ping pong where it's like great start, crummy start. Yep. Eight starts in a row now of a .89 in 50 and a third with 61 strikeouts. He's out of his mind. And that includes trips to L.A., uh, two trips to Cincy. They're not a terrible offense. Hosting the Cubs, of course, they're terrible on the road. Hosting Houston. Uh, There's some San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and KC in there to beat up on. But it's not a, a garbage slate. Where do you currently stand on Jack Flaherty? Do you still hold true to the McCullough situation? Because he was he can obviously put together great runs too. And what's your 2020 outlook on Flaherty? So, all right. I, I'm going to be bold today. Okay? I'm, I'm here for it. We're recording this. It's just about 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. I'm telling you that Flaherty is going to have a worse start today. He's going he's gonna to take a step back in this one. How, how big of a step back? Let's let's pin it down. At least because... at least three hundred runs allowed. Okay, something he hasn't done since June second or July second. Yes. Excuse me. You know, I'll even be bold and tell you that it's four. Four plus. Uh, okay. it, yeah, I'm just gonna do that for fun. Uh, no, the reason I'm saying that is because yeah, it's been the slider. The slider's just been unreal, and it's, it's made his fastball really good. Last start, it wasn't as good. It really was. It took a, a bit of a step back, and he kind of grinded through that start against the Reds. And I am very much on the belief that Flaherty, like McCullers, is all about feel with that breaking ball. And when that's going, things are great. The other one I want to actually bring up, kind of in the same vein, but it's different as far as their approaches and stuff. But it's a little bit like Jose Barrios um, in the sense that Barrios has a really good curveball. And when that is working, then everything is just bliss. Uh, I mean, Flaherty is a little bit different because it's just so much more overwhelming, I think, than yes. it is with Barrios. But Barrios' um, volatility is there, too. He does right. have that. Uh, I'm not a fan of Barrios for next year, by the way. Uh, I would have Soroka above him, Kluber above him, Giolito above him. I probably maybe Ryu above him. Um, I like I, to hear that Ryu love, by the way. I mean, it's just that I can't deny the fact that he's been this ridiculous and for so a year and a I half. Mean, yeah. Um, so I have to, um, I'm amazed that he, as my, the old joke is he's looking in for the sign and then it gets an eye injury, <laughs> but, uh, whatever it is, I'm, I'm amazed that he's only gone the D, uh, the IL for what two starts essentially this year. Yeah. Nothing crazy. They, they so, seemed like Dodgeritis protection trips too. Not even kinda, anything. Exactly. Yeah. Smoke and mirrors, uh, yeah. especially the last one, but, uh, with Barrios, it just doesn't. I, I don't really think he's ever going to truly get there with that curveball being a true master of it. And with Flaherty, I, I think it's going to be the same kind of undulation. And we're right now in a moment of high, but I think we forget the low because of it. It's a 3-5 ear right because of it. Um, and I don't think he's really going to truly escape it. So I don't think I'm going to be personally targeting Flaherty. Uh, and I think the more interesting discussion, I'm curious your thoughts here, is Chris Paddock. Yes. Um, he's at 19 for you. Uh, a full year is expected, considering it's going to be about 150 or so 
This year, we don't really know how the Padres are going to do that. They're probably going to give him a start off somewhere. They've been doing it a bit, or maybe even pushing back a day, adding it as another start for more rest, whatever it is. They're they're using a six-man right now, so they're building in automatic Uh, days for Paddock. But yeah, where do you, where are your what are your thoughts really so, about Paddock? Where are you on this? I'm actually really excited about it. I got an interesting comment in my chat today that I really didn't agree with, uh, saying they didn't understand the love and, and comped him to Kyle Hendricks, which was weird. Uh, maybe in like profile, obviously, I don't think it was in raw stuff because um, you know there's like 52 miles an hour difference on the fastball. But uh, for me, I really like what we saw out of Paddock in this first year. Yeah, he's been a, he's slowing down a bit. I think we're seeing a little bit of the pileup of innings for the season. But the, the swing and miss paired with the walk rate has been impressive. I do think it is that more of control over command. But I buy into the changeup. Being that foundational secondary piece, it's not like Castillo's, but holding anybody to that standard is unfair. For me, the key driver as to whether or not he can, A, curb some of those homers, and B, take maybe even another step with an already strong strikeout rate is the curveball for Paddock. And uh, I think the fastball changeup combo has really proven that that it can save him, keep him uh, alive even in starts if the breaking ball isn't there. But the, the key to that real next step to like, holy smokes, Chris Paddock is a disgusting ace is the breaker for me. So I really like him. I, I think the reins are off next year. Uh 19th was my spot for him if again if we're putting him in that uh, in that tier he could range as low as 24 25 but I, I like him at 19 i'm open to taking him next year i gotta see where the price is because he's going to be one of those flashy names and everyone's going to want their chris paddock share so if they overpriced him i'm out but if he's fair market i, I can buy in i would expect him to go around the 50s or 60s and then that's going to be that that challenge spot of like do i really want to do that maybe right. but I, I don't know. It, it's going to be a range from like the 15th to the 25th, I think. Yes, I agree. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of – there's going to be a massive starting pitching run. I mean you saw it in your draft. Yep. But I think this is going to be from like 30 to 50 is just going to be half a bit more starters. I was, I was going to say even like 30 to 60, 65. Yeah, it's just going to just go. Because once you hit like thirty, it's just uh oh. <laughs> it's just gonna yeah, it's gonna be such a flood of like the guys on my list from fifteen to about thirty five. They're all right. gonna kind of fit in there. People are gonna have their own guys that they like too. So yeah, I am I am interested to so, really see how a full draft plays out. So now with Paddock, so all right, I I, I want to love Paddock, and okay. I, I think you made a really good point about his curveball being a, an instrumental pitch for him. Because I, I really don't think he can be a top 15 pitcher without that change. Uh, sorry, that without that curveball. Correct. Uh, I think the changeup isn't that great. Uh, 16% swing strike rate and 37% zone rate. So, I mean, he did get a lot of chases on it. 49% O-swing is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he got it, he was actually more so, more so than I thought he would uh, down and out of the zone. Got swings on that, and that's why you have the 210 BABIP, 185 average. Yes, it's a low BABIP. I would imagine closer to 240, 250, but it should still be lower because it is located often in the bottom of the zone. He does a good job at that. Okay. But I, I, I still don't believe that Vulcan change of his. We don't really ever see a Vulcan change having consistent conce- success, like ever. I uh, and I, I just use the like ever. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> we, we it's just not a thing that we normally see. I mean, Carlos Carrasco's split change sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Salazar threw one that looked really good for a while. And yes, it's Danny Salazar. Uh, but it's just not 
a thing that we normally see. And the four-seamer, very good foundation. Talking about the top 10 guys or whatever, needing that fastball. He has it. Awesome. Paddock has it for sure, yes. And that is going to keep his floor up. But if we're talking about guys that can take that leap, and that's so important for me if I'm going for these pitchers, because if you don't, then you're just going to be behind the guys that do have those then I need to see I need to see his curveball show up because I just can't bank on that changeup being a being a money pitch for the year. I just I can't buy that. I'm I'm okay though if he doesn't take a leap for padding because I think a lot of the leapers come like after thirty anyway. And so hmm. I don't I don't necessarily need that I, I think we put a lot on those guys that we rank from say I don't know, you know, fifteen yeah, to, right, right. to twenty five. Like those are the, supposed to be the, there. To yeah, establish. those are yeah, supposed okay. to be the next coming. And I think we we impress too much upon them, like uh, like Castillo that that first year last year. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I don't necessarily need that from Paddock. So if the market does that and then and then boost his price up, that's when I'll peel back. I just sure. want a hundred and like seventy innings and a boatload of strikeouts with useful ratios. That's what I'm that's what I'm playing for. And if the development comes this year, that's fine. I actually think this year might or excuse me, twenty might be more of a consolidation year for Paddock to where he just kind of figures out navigating an entire season with 170 plus innings or whatever it is. And then maybe twenty one would be right. like the transformation into an ace. So I don't impress those major growth uh, uh, projections onto Paddock personally. You know, I'm going to make a horrible joke. Uh, isn't that isn't 21 the Tommy John year? <laughs> because I mean that's what we see so often. Yes. It's frustrating. Whereas you essentially get a year and a half of a guy. Yep. No, you're right. And, and then, the, and then I mean this is purely down. this is purely conjecture. I have no data saying this, so don't don't take this no, over the grain it, of salt. It feels like we we fall in love with the guy and then and then and they take him away from us. Strikes. Yeah, exactly. You know. Just uh, anyway, but yeah, I think I think you're definitely right about health permitting that Chris Paddock, yeah, 2020 would be his kind of figuring out the room, what you know, what the walls are, what he can can't do, and then really expanding on that foundation is 21. I, I like that. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I'm not really going to talk too much about the the final five or so, just because it's kind of like the honorable mentions. I think you'd even say that yourself with yeah. Sunny Gray and Darvish, Montes and Herman. We don't really know. Correct what to expect at this now, point th- those are almost of... like uh me picking my guys my favorites of the unarmed sure yeah because if somebody put if somebody put minor in there because they like him and, and bum garner because they think he's going to stay in san francisco and 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 a couple others from that list any five or any four you wanted to put there from 27 to 30 would have been fine right. by me. those were the yeah. guys i liked what yeah. do you think about montas though because i do think that the ped suspension is going to keep the price down and uh I I'm gonna want to buy next year. I think I, I would. I don't know if at 29, but well, that's where I. That's put like it. that's I don't that, know that's like gonna... right. That's I think like market value probably. But I don't know. I mean, I think I, I could see a lot of people fall more in love with James Paxton and Hendricks and Brandon Woodruff and being Boyd boys and Caleb Smith, Boyd, and, Boyd. especially if Boyd gets traded. Yeah, right. I mean, I I could see Montas getting pushed closer to 40 and around 40 as my SP three or four. Yeah, sign oh, me up. All you know, I, you, you know me. I always feast on like. Like 100 to 130 in my drafts. That's where I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's get our starters because I can want my eight hitters and then I feast, right? You know what we need I, to do, by the way? So, yeah. Because um, obviously we're going to be doing uh, firesides in the offseason. Oh, of course. We need to do an ADP review and, and oh, kind of yes. see like, hey, do did, did we learn anything? 
um, 100%. I love what, that. what portions of the draft are really the the best part, all that sort of stuff. So we can do that when the season ends. But um, OK, any, anything else here? Anybody else that you want to hit on specifically? No, that's all I've got. All right. Well, uh, one last thing here uh, in that draft. We, we talked about uh, the, the two drafts. You did yours um, two rounds. We did ours for three rounds. Mm-hmm. Who's the one pitcher that didn't go in the top 45 that you're like, holy smokes. I would have taken him in the top 45 so hard. Well, you guys are here. killing me. <laughs> uh, is Kershaw taken? Yes, he is. Kershaw was taken. All right. 36 by yours. Uh, good. Well done. Well done. Uh, that, little, that little trio, by the way, was Lindor, J.D. Martinez, and Kershaw. If I started a team like that, I'm doing backflips. <laughs> well, there's no Castillo, is there? Oh, yeah. Castillo did not go. No. Because Julito wrong. instead of him. There it is. I have to agree. I would have him above Strasburg personally. I could have. Okay, I'll tell you what. Where, there's two spots I could have taken him. And uh, I, I was hitter focused. But uh, for my for Paul's team four and five, mm-hmm. when they took third hitters, it was Turner, Altuve, Harper, and Arenado, Bregman, Muncy. Castillo would have looked really good with either of those duos. Is Muncy doing that well? Yes. He's this is, this is fully, me that... The guy has no shit for Muncy, and it's like, oh, man, fully, 33. He's fully backed up his Wow, breakout. yeah, 100%. That's crazy. That was – that. honestly, I'm so geeked on that because that was one of my, like, this guy is so real, and people aren't, uh, you know, pushing his, his breakout right, right, right. to the limit. And, you know, he was still costly. Like, he wasn't it's cheap. A, no, yeah, but it was exactly it. I but mean, yeah, it's just he, more he the same. Fully panned out. So, yeah, crazy. that's why I took him I, – I, it's funny you bring that up because I think that's why I took him with that last pick to kind of, hey, make yeah, sure that, people acknowledge that. how good he was. Right. But if I was really trying to say, let's put the real best trios together, imagine Arenado Bregman Castillo. How dumb is right, that? Right, right, That's fun. So, um, okay, that, that's a good one. That's a good one to end on. But uh, next week we've got something big planned. For those that don't know, first of all, the list uh, at pitcherlist.com changes. And I believe it's going to be – is it going to be the September 2nd list? It's uh, no, it's actually this Monday. So it'll, it'll be uh, the August twenty sixth. The list, list that you know is no more. It's dead. It's gone. It's gone until, well, next, until next year. year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, the tears and all that, it's just not useful at this point. We're playing schedules. We're we're turning over every corner to try to figure out this matchup here, this little advantage here. So the whole like, well, he ranks here. Uh, don't worry about it. We're playing matchups. That's it. So you do a exactly. full matchup breakdown yep. of the list. Now, do you update it weekly or is it just the one? Oh, yeah. It's 100% okay. weekly. I'm going to go over it. Pretty much recreate it every single week. But it gets easier because one week is not included. So Exactly. So you keep chopping up. Not so, so bad. With that in mind, we'll review that first week and talk about the weeks ahead in next week's fireside. So basically it's going to be a schedule breakdown, which teams have the best setup, any pitchers really starting to stand out. And of course it's projected. So something can change on a dime. If a pitcher has, I don't know, Miami, um, I'm trying to think of the bad, like Miami, San Diego and Detroit in an interleague game. If they have that coming up, it can flip. And right. you know, uh, one, These are always change every single yeah, year. I find missed, myself saying, uh, no, this is all wrong a week later. It's the so. worst, though, too. And it's like, hey, he might catch the end of the Detroit series or he'll be starting in Houston instead. Right. Like, it's, oh, God. I, I've seen some of those, actually, too. That's an actual example of well, some, somebody in the AL that might get Detroit or have to go to Houston. That actually happened to Justin Verlander, but it wasn't the way you thought. No. Because <laughs> he got traded. Okay, that's the joke. I can't believe fun, fun joke. that. Fun uh, joke. 
Robin Centrino's got thrown out going for a triple to complete his cycle to end that game. But but he almost had a cycle, Spore. Well, I and here's the thing too. <laughs> I'm I'm reluctant to go too crazy on it because if we're just being honest, just flat out honest, that game couldn't have mattered less for them. Right. Like they're not gonna right. like okay, it's a seven game lead. It is not an insurmountable lead, but they're not going to miss the playoffs because of it. Right. But that's the that's like the first rule of baseball that you learn. Don't make the third out or first out or third out at third. Yep. Let alone if you're just going for an individual thing, a triple. Just, but I just I don't know. It's like the kid in all of us. You just go for that, you know. In and fairness, it's and it's Robinson Chirinos too. Like another fair thing to him though. Um, you know there is. I know there's the don't make the third out at third, especially to end the game of a two-one game that you're losing. To become the uh, <laughs> biggest favorite to ever lose by Vegas numbers, right. but um, also there is something about sending a guy to make the team, the the opposing team execute. Yeah, right. If, if they can execute a perfect throw, they can get me, and that's what the Tigers did. The relay was insane. I think it was Gordon Beckham who got it from uh, Harold Castro. These are real players, I swear. I'm a Tigers fan. I watch these every day. Uh, So uh, somebody named Harold Castro threw it to Gordon Beckham, who you may remember. Uh, Beckham's transfer and throw was bananas. So credit to them there. But anyway, had to end it on a hitting note for some reason. Um, Nick, always great talking with you. And we'll be back next week talking schedules. Spore, always fun hanging with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spore and at PitcherList.